0: But we will go to lunch at some point, all right, brother? <laughs> Thank hey, you, you Appreciate you, sir. Well, good Saturday morning to yes, you. It's hard Thanks. to believe that it's the last uh, service of, of this part of the, the meeting, the re- Missions Revival, and Look excited about room. your uh, upcoming meeting. Look uh, the what's that? Oh, boy. Not on. I'm not on. Not sure. I, I have to start all, all over. <laughs> you get the last word, don't you? He's been causing me problems all week, and uh, no, I appreciate uh, Brother Shelton. He's been a blessing to me. We joke around and kid around, uh, but thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, I guess i got to start, start over. Good Saturday morning to you. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe it is the last meeting of the Missions Revival and praying for your upcoming meetings. Uh, you are a, an ambitious church family. You go from one special meeting right into another. And uh, that's awesome. I think that's great. I was talking to a preacher about that. I said, that's a great idea. I wish I had thought of it uh, years ago. And uh, I appreciate um, so much. I I have so many things to say thank you for. And I just want to thank you, Pastor, for your kindness and uh, your generosity to me and my family. Um, Thank you, Pastor, and church family for the very comfortable accommodations um, I slept so well last night. It's such a comfortable room, and so thank you uh, for that. Thank you for the uh, delicious meals, the wonderful time of food and fellowship and food. We Baptists like to eat, don't we? we and do. uh, that's a great thing, and uh, I love our food and fellowship and food, and so that was, uh, <laughs> that was fun. And uh, thank you for the very thoughtful gift basket. Uh, that was such a blessing. Thank you for the monetary gift, the very generous gift, to help with any needs that I might have while I'm here. Uh, thank you for the um, the fuel for my vehicle. Uh, yesterday, the preacher put fuel in my vehicle. I was a little nervous because, as you remember, uh, the first night I was here, he moved me from here to here, and then moved me close to the door. And yesterday, when he filled my tank up, I thought he was just going to move me right on down the road and say thank you for being with us. But he didn't do that. And so I appreciate that. Um, Not only that, church family, thank you for your words of encouragement to me and regarding our family and our ministry. Thank you for your prayers for Amy's uh, mother. I have passed that on to Amy and uh, brought tears to her eyes uh, just to know that so many of you are praying for her mother. That means so much. Not to mention... Everything else, else that goes on in a church. Those of you that usher, those of you that work in the nursery, uh, those of you that provide special music, the decorations. I took a picture of the decorations in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, so many things. Even Brother Shelton. Thank you up there, sir. Uh, up there in the sound, the sound booth. Appreciate, uh, appreciate him. Uh, he's been a blessing uh, to me this week. So, so many things. It's been a grand experience. I say that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, Paul said to the Church of Philippi, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And uh, I want you to know that every memory I have uh, this week, uh, I am very thankful and grateful for. So thank you again, preacher, for entrusting me with your pulpit and for your kind invitation to be a part of your missions revival. Mark chapter two this morning, if you will, Mark chapter two, I'm going to try to be brief because uh, we can all smell that delicious food. And so we want to be uh, mindful of that. But I'm very confident of the message that God has laid upon my heart uh, to uh, teach and preach this morning, and I'm praying that it not only speaks to your heart, but also my heart as well, as uh, we all have been called to be um, fulfillers of the Great Commission. Uh, As you find your place in Mark chapter 2 this morning, I want to say this, that when I had the privilege of being a pastor for 15 years and we would have missions conferences, I would say uh, to my church family that a missions conference is like three events rolled up into one. I would tell them that a missions conference is like a pep rally. You know what a pep rally is, right? It's where you cheer on the team. It's where you encourage them to go forth into battle, so to speak. And I want you to know that as a missionary, I have been encouraged by being a, a part of this missions revival. And so a missions conference is like a pep rally. Not only that, secondly, a missions conference is like a business meeting. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I believe it's the most important business meeting you'll have all year as you as a church collaborate and communicate and cooperate on what more can be done to get the gospel to the other uttermost parts of the world. D. L. Moody used to say this: a missions conference is a business meeting where the church gets together to decide the fate of the heathen. And so a missions conference is like a business meeting. Not only that, a missions conference, thirdly, is like a revival meeting. Yes, sir. I love what you call your missions conference. You call it a missions revival. Yes, and sir. we see people saved at missions conferences. Yes, sir. Uh, we see souls surrender at missions conference. Uh, we see young people give their lives to whatever the Lord might have for them at a missions conference. We see... Christians, believers, uh, blood-bought children of God, make the decision to lay up more treasure in heaven than treasure on earth at a missions conference. To set their affections on things above more than things that are on the earth during a missions revival. And so a missions conference, a missions revival, is truly three events rolled up into one. It is like a pep rally, it is like a business meeting, and it is like a revival meeting. Well, in our text this morning, we find all three of those events. We find a revival because someone is saved and faith was demonstrated. We see a pep rally because in verse number 12, they all leave glorifying God and saying, and these are my words, we've never seen anything like this before. And we see a business meeting because we are gonna find four individuals that collaborate and communicate and cooperate on how to get their loved one, their friend, their coworker, their neighbor, their acquaintance to Jesus. And so notice with me, uh, Mark chapter two, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he, Jesus, was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. By the way, isn't it exciting that at the Capernaum Baptist Church, the word of God was preached, amen? Verse number three. And they come unto him, they come unto Jesus, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born or, or carried of four, carried by four individuals, verse four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, They let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins, but God only? By the way, if Jesus was not God, it truly would have been blasphemy. But Jesus is God. God. Um, verse 8, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed. And went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. For just a few minutes this morning, let's look at this truth from this text bringing the world to Jesus. Bringing the world to Jesus. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we again thank you for the bright light that is Lighthouse Baptist Church, not only in this community but around the world as they have a heart for missions. Father, we thank you for everything that has taken place thus far in this meeting. We thank you for every effort and labor and all of the work. And we pray your blessings upon this church, this pastor, his family, this church family in a special way. Please bless them richly for their labor of love in putting together a phenomenal conference. Lord, I pray that you will bless the missions program at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I pray that every member, every attender would be on board, that would participate and give and pray and be willing to surrender to whatever you have for them regarding world evangelism. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we bring the world to Jesus? How do we evangelize the world? That's what a missions conference is all about, right? In our text, we find three aspects of world evangelism. Or we could say it this way a game plan for world evangelism. And so let's get right to it this morning. The first point if you and I are going to reach our world for the Lord Jesus Christ, number one, it's going to take compassion on a soul. Would you agree with that? It's going to take compassion. It's going to take compassion. Look at verse number three again. And they, came, they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. Sometime, somewhere, before verse number three, there was that business meeting that we discussed a moment ago. Again, there was collaboration and communication and the topic of the meeting was this. How are we going to get this individual to Jesus Christ? And that takes Compassion. I love the word compassion. If you study the word compassion, you will find that it takes three elements in order for you and I to be compassionate towards someone. Let me give those to you very quickly. In order for there to be true compassion, there needs to be number one, an awareness of a situation. Number two, an attitude of sympathy. And then number three, and this is important, an action that supplies the need. There you go. An awareness of the situation, that's our head. An attitude of sympathy, that's our heart. And an action that supplies the need, that's our hands. Now mark it down and please don't miss this. This is very important. If all you have are the first two, an awareness of a situation, And an attitude of sympathy. But there is no action that supplies the need. Mark it down. You do not have compassion. You only have concern. And there's a difference between the two. We can be very concerned and never do anything about it. But when we take that next step and there is an action that supplies the need, we have demonstrated compassion in someone's life. I think of uh, the text that we we looked at last evening. In Matthew chapter nine, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion. What was the action that supplied the need? Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would do what? Send forth labors into his harvest. We could go to Luke chapter 10, we won't do so, but you know the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan saw that man uh, battered and beaten and bruised and left in the ditch to die. And when he saw him, what, what, what happened? He was moved with compassion on him. And what was the action that supplied the need? He got off of his uh, beast. He went down to him. He bound up his wounds. He put him on his own beast, took him to an inn and paid money out of his own pocket to have him taken care of. Yes, sir. That was the action that supplied the need. Here's the point uh, this morning. All through this conference, you as a church family have been made aware of specific needs. Yes, uh, needs sir. in the Philippines, needs with Bible translation, needs with Bible printing. All through the year, you have no doubt missionaries that come in and give you needs. The question is, will we go from concern to compassion? Will there be an action that meets the need? I remember when I was a children's pastor, some would say the childish pastor, and I did that for about six years and loved that very much. And I remember hearing a story about a little boy who was sent to the market in one of our big cities across the country. He was sent down a few blocks to a market to, to purchase some eggs for his mother. The mother gave him just the amount of money that he needed to purchase the eggs. And so he purchased the eggs. He was walking out of the store. And as he walked out of the store, he tripped and uh, fell on that busy city sidewalk. And those eggs, they scattered and splattered all over the city sidewalk. And not one of them uh, was, was saved, all right? As he sat there on the ground crying, people just walking by, very busy, stopped. And, and some... Uh, picked him up, some patted him on the head and gave him words of encouragement and said, it's going to be okay. Others brushed off all of the uh, uh, of the uh, the dust and the dirt on him. And, and one gentleman out of all those people that gave words of encouragement and patted him on the back and patted him on the head and said, it's going to be okay. One gentleman stopped, very busy, but he stopped. He reached into his pocket, he took it out a quarter and he put it in the little boy's hand and he said this. He said to the rest so everyone could hear, I care this much, how much the rest of you care? And he put that coin in the little boy's hand. Now, what was the point? That boy needed more than words of encouragement. He needed more than a pat on the head and a pat on the back and being told that everything was going to be okay. What did that little boy need? He needed to take some eggs home to his mother. And one gentleman out of numerous people actually showed compassion. Listen, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to speak to each and every one of us, myself included, but a missions conference is an opportunity to demonstrate how much we care. How much do we care? How much do we care for the unreached? How much do we care for the lost? How much do we care to get the gospel to a a lost and dying world? How much do we care to get the light of life to a very dark world all over the world? If you and I are going to reach our world with a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's going to take compassion on a soul. There is, mark it down, there is no compassion without action. And that leads us to number two this morning. If we're going to reach our world for Jesus Christ, it's going to take compassion on a soul. But then secondly, it's going to take cooperation with the saints. Cooperation with the saints. Here's the point this morning. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. That's right. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. Notice again, verse number three and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four or carried by four individuals. Again, sometime, somewhere before verse number three, there was that business meeting, and that business meeting led to cooperation. How are we going to get our friend, our loved one, our neighbor, our coworker to Jesus? And they cooperated together to get it done. I, I, I've heard some interesting takes on this text. No doubt you have as well, Pastor Manning. I, I, I heard a song one time. It was a quartet song. Um, that's a, a nice way of saying Southern Gospel. But anyway, uh, it, was a, it was a quartet song and the, and the chorus was the, this... They talked about the quartet that raised the roof, That talking about this story. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty creative, right? I heard a preacher one time, I don't really understand this, probably Pastor Manning does, one preacher preached on this text and, and he gave the title, um, when uh, four of a kind beats a full house. Now I don't know what that's about, okay? You probably know what that's about, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not about Uno anyway, but um, I've heard some creative takes on this text, right? But uh, the, pa- <laughs> the fact is they work together to get it done. You can't do it alone. You can't support all of the missionaries of Lighthouse Baptist Church by yourself. You can't support all the missionaries in the world by yourself. It takes a team effort. The concept reminds me of a word in the epistles and it's the word striving. We find it in Philippians 127 and uh, it has the idea of working together. Listen to these words. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. Here it is striving together for the faith of the gospel. Working together, laboring together. That word striving, I studied that word and I. As well, found it fascinating, when you look at the definition, you'll find that the word striving has two ideas wrapped up into one. The word striving has the idea of protect, listen to this, protecting something all the while you promote something. Now think about that for just a moment. If you think of the gospel protecting something while we promote something, that's a beautiful analogy because we protect the purity of the gospel in the church house, but we promote the power of the gospel out into the world, Right. And so it's a, it's a beautiful analogy. As a matter of fact, forgive me for using a worldly analogy, but it reminds me of football. I had to get football in there somewhere. Right. But uh, what do you do with the football, right? Brother Car- Carpenter, you, you protect it all the while you what? Yes, you please. promote it. It does no good if you just get the football and you just get down and you just hold on to it. You have to advance it. Right. You have to promote it. What an analogy. Of of getting the gospel to a lost and dying world, right? Jesus is the coach, right? And uh, you hike the ball to preacher. The preacher hikes the ball to maybe a mission board or something like that. The mission board sends that money to a missionary on the field, touchdown, and the devil loses. Amen. What an analogy. It takes a team. It's a team effort. If you and I are going to reach our world For Jesus Christ, it's going to take, number one, compassion on a soul. Number two, it's going to take cooperation with the saints. And then number three, it's going to take, and lastly, it's going to take, and this is where we want to park for just a little bit, a commitment that succeeds. It's going to take commitment. Look at verse number four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. They uncovered the roof where he was. That's very amazing. By the way, someone had to pay for that roof. No, they didn't. Who do you suppose did that? <laughs> no doubt, the four. Right. They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, "Son, thy sins be." Forgiven thee. We see from these four that there is a commitment that succeeds. They would not be distracted, they would not be discouraged, they would not be defeated, they would not cower, they would not quit. But sadly, and your pastor knows this, we see it happening all over America. Seems like the first thing to go often is the missions program. I was blessed to have in my church in Mount Vernon a retired missionary couple. Uh, They just passed away not too long ago, uh, over 100 years of age. And Ward, maybe you know them, preacher, Ward and Sarah Jane Harris spent 30 years in Africa as missionaries. Uh, Back then it was called the uh, Central Republic of Africa. It's changed its name since then, but they spent 30 years there. I was blessed to have them a part of our church family there in Mount Vernon. But one day I received word, Brother Ward called me and he told me that they had a loved one in Iowa that passed away. And so um, Brother Harris's son is a missionary in Mexico. And so he came all the way to Ohio and he put Ward and Sarah Jane Harris in a vehicle and they drove from Ohio all the way to Iowa to be a part of the funeral service, the memorial service. When they got back, I, I called Brother Ward. I said, hey, I'd love to come by and see you and just check on you. And so I went over to see him and asked how things went. In uh, the conversation, he started to cry. And um, I just assumed that he was emotional because of the loss of his loved one. And so I said something that we pastors try to say at a time like that uh, to you know, bring comfort and um, he looked at me and he said, no, 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 Brother Fennel, that's, that's not why I'm crying. And um, I said, well, what's wrong, Brother Harris? He said this. He said, when we were on the mission field, there was a church that uh, sent us a letter saying that they were no longer able to support us at what they were support, supporting us for. And they were going to have to cut our um, support in half. And Brother Harris said this. He said, that did not bother me at all. He said, I understand that happens. And it does happen. He said, I was just thankful they corresponded with me. He said, that that didn't bother me at all. He said, but it wasn't long after that that we received the letter that they were not able to support us at all. And certainly he was heartbroken about that, but missionaries understand that that also happens on occasion. Well, he lost track of that church. And he said, when we were driving to Iowa, we passed that church on our way to the funeral home. And pastor, he began to weep. He said, Brother Fennel, he said, Pastor, that church is no longer in existence. It's an empty shell of a building. People don't gather there anymore. There's no preaching there anymore. There's no singing anymore. It's run down. The weeds are overgrown. It's, it's just, he just, it just broke his heart. And then he said this to me with a quivering voice. He said, Brother Fennel, I can't, Help but think that a lack of emphasis on missions started the downward spiral for that church. You know this, it's been said the heartbeat of the church is missions. And we must have, you must have, church family, each and every one of you, you must have a commitment to missions that succeeds, like these four individuals in Mark chapter 2. To continue, to not quit. I'm simply trying to say this. I'm trying to say that your missions program at Lancaster Baptist Church is only going to be as successful as each and every one of you are faithful to giving to it. Your missions program is only going to be as strong as you are committed. And may it ever be said of the Lighthouse Baptist Church that you are committed to keep the main thing, the main thing. Yes, sir. A commitment. That succeeds. Three aspects of world evangelism, a game plan for world evangelism. When I uh, read this story of Mark chapter 2 and these four individuals, it reminds me of a story I read in a book on missions. And in that book that I read on missions, the author told of uh, five young missionaries in India that were traveling 1,500 miles from the southern part of India to the northern part of India to start a church. And uh, this is what he said about those five individuals, those five missionaries. Everyone discouraged them and begged them to stay home. They had no money for train fare, let alone for food or rent. Their answer was this, and I quote, if we have no money to go by train, we will walk 1,500 miles. If one of us becomes sick and dies on the way, we will bury him on the roadside and the rest of us will continue on. If only one of us survives the journey and reaches our destination and places only one gospel track on the hot desert sand of that state before he dies, we will have fulfilled our mission and we will have obeyed our Lord. Wow. Why? Because they had compassion on souls. They had cooperation with other believers, with the saints. And they had a, I mean, it's obvious, they had a commitment that would succeed. May God help us to have those aspects in our life. In closing, we find in our, our story this morning, the Great Commission. I hope you see it's an illustration, really, of the Great Commission. It really is. Um, but not only do we see the Great Commission in this text, church family, listen, we also see a great Commendation. Not only do we see the Great Commission, we see a great commendation. Notice verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The Lord saw their faith. And Lighthouse Baptist Church, listen, as a result of this mission's revival, can I say this? Jesus will see your faith. Jesus sees our faith. We act, we obey, and that is a demonstration of our faith, and the Lord sees it, and without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so you are being given an opportunity for the Lord to see your faith once again in the upcoming year, as God has given you another year to give to missions. So here's the question this morning When God sees your faith, what will He see? When the Lord sees your faith, will your faith be commended, or will your faith be condemned? You now have an opportunity to demonstrate your faith, to pray, to give, to be willing to go, to support. You're given another opportunity to demonstrate your faith, and may the Lord be pleased with what he sees. In closing, I remember hearing a story about a man who was a famous artist, he was a famous painter, and he was given the opportunity to paint his depiction of what a dying church would look like. Maybe you've heard this. And so he was given a certain amount of time to paint this portrait of a dying church. And the day came for the unveiling. Everyone gathered in a room and the picture, the portrait was up front with a sheet over it. And everybody was talking, trying to figure out what they... They, they would suppose it would look like. And a lot, a lot of people just figured, well, it's going to be a, an old wooden church building with, uh, you know, broken glass. It's going to be in need of paint. Uh, the grass is going to be all overgrown with weeds and, uh, you know, and, and, and just going on and on and on. And so it came time for the unveiling and they took the sheet off of the portrait, the painting, and it was a beautiful, it was a picture of a beautiful church building. A large, beautiful brick building with a huge white steeple outlined by a beautiful blue sky. Beautifully manicured lawn. And everyone looked at each other like, did this guy not get the memo? What's going on here? Finally, someone had enough courage to, to speak up. And they said, sir, um, we thought you were supposed to paint a picture of, of a dying church, what a dying church is to look like. And he, he put his finger up and he said, ah, he said, look, look closer. And he pointed to the, one of the windows at the front of the building. And as you, as you look closer, you can look into the window. And when he looked into the window, there was the foyer. And when he looked into the foyer, there was a box on the wall. It was a box hanging by a nail on the, on the wall. And on the front of the box, it said World Missions. It was the box where people were to give money for the gospel going around the world from that church. And as you looked even closer, where the slot was that you put the money in the box, there was a cobweb over the slot showing that people had not been giving to missions in quite some time. That's a brilliant, brilliant analogy. A a picture of a dying church. May it ever be said of Lighthouse Baptist Church that you keep the main thing, the main thing, that you have a heart for missions, that you have compassion on souls, that you have cooperation with with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and and that each and every one of you have a commitment to keep the main thing, the main thing. Your missions program is only only gonna be as strong as you are committed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We see just a, an illustration, really, an illustration of the Great Commission, an illustration of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, bringing the world to Jesus, bringing Jesus to the world. It's a picture. So we see a picture of the Great Commission, but we also see a wonderful, we see a great commendation. Jesus saw their faith and Jesus sees our faith. And so it's a very simple uh, invitation this morning. Uh, we'll pray here in just a moment. But it's just one last time, at least while I'm here, for you as an individual, as a family, to pray about how God could use you in the upcoming year in the missions program here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so my simple invitation is that you would simply pray and say, Lord, what would you have me to give? How would you use me? in the upcoming year in the missions program at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Father, we love you. Thank you again for a church that lives up to its name, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Lord, uh, this is an evangelistic church. This is a church where the salt gets out of the salt shaker, where the light gets turned on, where people put themselves into circulation out into the world doing what Jesus has commanded us to do so that men may see our good works and in turn glorify our Father in heaven. We're thankful for an evangelistic church. We're thankful for a church that loves missions. I'm thankful for this church, this pastor who has set aside time yearly and throughout the year even to concentrate and focus and emphasize the Great Commission. I pray, Lord, that you'll Bless now this time of invitation May each and every one of us, myself included, look inwardly, take spiritual inventory and see what we could do even more to get the gospel around the world. We love you. Thank you for using us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for including us in your world plan. And I thank you again for this, this church and this church family in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? The music's beginning to play we give you an opportunity once again to pray, whether it's here at the front, whether it's right there in your chair, however the Lord is leading. I get excited about this. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I get excited about this. If you could take every dollar that's been given at Lighthouse Baptist Church for missions and we could post it before you, I know that each and every one of you would say, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. But God's not finished with us. God's not through. He's given us another year if he tarries. And so what has been done is a blessing. And we thank God for it. But God's not through with us yet. And your greatest days regarding missions could be ahead. And so don't cut the Lord short. Don't be content to be content. Get on board. Compassion. Cooperation commitment. May God use you in a great way to further His kingdom.